0: Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Well, remember last fall when I hosted a live podcast event in my backyard? That was episode number 43. Well, I'm excited to share that I was able to host one again this fall. A couple of weeks ago, I hosted Fighting for Joy Live number two. I look at an evening like this really as an extension of the podcast and a part of what I'm trying to build within the Fighting for Joy ministry as a whole. For many years, I have been dreaming about gathering a big group of friends like this with the purpose of encouraging and connecting and sharing. But it wasn't until we moved a couple of years ago that I felt like God had brought enough healing and progress in my grief to do something like this. Somehow our move brought a renewed hope and a new desire to invite people in again. Our previous home held a lot of sacred moments in grief, and I started to become pretty protective of it and pulled inward a little bit, stopped inviting people in. Hospitality just felt pretty exhausting and hard, and I know that's understandable. But when we moved, parts of the pre-grief Jody kind of bubbled back up to the surface, and God began to fill my heart with a new kind of hope and joy. And I courageously began to dream about something like this again. And so These live events are a beautiful reflection of God's restoring and redeeming work in my life and in my grief. On this episode, you will get to hear my husband, Eric, and I have a live conversation with our friend, Scott Jensen, again in our backyard, again with six tables full of friends from various seasons and parts of my life. They were 30 different guests this time than the women who joined me last fall. Um, but it's one thing to kind of listen to a podcast episode by yourself, which is what I would guess most of us do. We we listen alone. I know I certainly do. I'm usually driving in the car or out on a walk or cooking dinner, but I'm usually alone and I'm usually multitasking. But a night like this, it it brings a group of women together to listen to the conversation with each other in person and in real time. And I felt like this allowed for some really special interactions and discussions and just the ability to soak things in a little more when we're not multitasking. I know you will love hearing from Scott. He is such a special man. He serves as the chaplain at our local hospital, and we got to experience firsthand really the important work that he does on a daily basis here in our community when he was called in to comfort all four of the affected families in the emergency room on the night of the accident. So on this conversation, we, you know, we share some of the memories of that horrific night, but really we focus in on how powerful it is when God brings comfort to his people through his people. So I'm thankful that you're here and that you found the podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you're encouraged. This is our friend Scott Jensen. Um, I'll tell you in a little bit how our lives uh, intersected with with Scott. Let's just start by having you just share a little bit about yourself, about your work, your family, your time outside of work. Good evening. Good evening.
1: It is great to see you. And I don't know too many people out there, but I see some fabulous friends. And uh, I see a lady who prayed for me to get the job I have. Um,
0: Miss Luann, she did... um, Mama Lou, she did a podcast episode on prayer, so yes, very very appropriate to call her out on that.
1: Yes, Uh, so I am Scott. I'm married to Joy, so fighting for Joy that you know.
0: You fought for Joy Joy and you got her.
1: Good. (laughs) (laughs) Joy and I uh, have been here in Fremont since 2005, and uh, we have three kids who are now all married. We have four grandkids. Um, which is fabulous and I've had the privilege of working at the hospital as the chaplain for now 15 years this fall which seems incredible Um, I enjoy my refuge also at home this afternoon and this morning I spent most of my day putzing in my garage with some woodworking stuff which is what I love to do I um, also like getting on my little John Deere garden tractor and mowing for a few hours. Uh, that's always a very relaxing uh, getaway. so yeah,
0: I love it. Great. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, well, I think everybody here pretty much knows our story. We do uh, share about the loss of our son Jackson um, nine years ago this past summer. Um, On episode one of the podcast, Um, but tonight we asked Scott to come and share because anyone who has experienced um, a tragic loss understands kind of the clear before and after uh, when you think about the death um, or the accident or the loss. it just kind of feels like your life is forever cut into two parts. You kind of see it in pictures. When I look at pictures, I can immediately tell if that's me before Jackson died or that's me after. I um, I can see it in my kids. I can see it in my friendships. Um, we can see it in our faith. Um, I, I can tell in the way I think. I mean, there's research that our brain changes in grief. Um, and then dates do the same thing. Oh, was that before 2013 or was that after 2013? You kind of just have this marker in your life now of before loss and after loss. Um, so it's it's just kind of a defining moment. And um, for us, Scott was involved in that defining moment. Um, we kind of knew who Scott was and what he did, but um, we were naive enough to, to not really understand the gravity of getting pulled into a room with him in the emergency room I think now um, I would understand if if we got to the emergency room and they said here we want you to go sit in this private room with chaplain Jensen I would Fall on the floor right then and know that something is wrong. But we we were just comforted and happy that Scott was there to sit with us until we could go see Jackson. I mean that's kind of where we were at. We were we were eager to go see him. Kind of wondered if he had broke some bones. We didn't know which hospital he was at, and so we were just kind of we thought in a holding spot until um, there was a little mix up with some of the IDs on the boys, and so they. They had kind of told us we don't know which boys are where right now. Um, we're trying to sort that out. So that's kind of we just took that for face value and thought, wow, it's nice to have Scott sitting in here with us in this room um, late at night while we wait to go see our boy. So that's kind of how we we felt. Again, now we we understand a little bit more of his role and um, and what. Um, really he's called to do on a pretty regular basis. So I think the first thing that, Scott, I wanted to to ask you is just, well, did you have anything else you wanted to contribute about about that first? No. Okay. I just kind of wanted to ask you what it feels like to know that kind of information and sit with a family I don't know if you knew that Jackson had already died, but you knew there had been death. You knew that this accident had been uh, pretty bad. Um, What does it feel like to sit with a couple, to sit with a family, knowing that they're about ready to get information that's going to, now they will have this defining moment of before and after their life is forever going to be changed?
1: You've asked some great questions. Um, The truth is, I don't know that I ever really look at that situation in that manner mm-hmm. um, I think the first thing that I'm really ever thinking whether it's cognizant or just uh, subconsciously is how do I meet these people right where they're at mm-hmm. um, everybody is different and so you You're just always looking for a tell. You're looking for some kind of indicator as to what kind of person, what kind of people uh, are you working with. And um, whether faith seems to be an important part of their journey or not at all. Um, So meeting people where they're at Mm -hmm. is really the only thing I'm... Mm -hmm trying to focus on
0: yeah well you did a good job with us um you weren't actually the one who told us jackson had died they pulled the sheriff in to kind of read a little statement but you were with us before and you were with us after and um i just kept thinking this is the face of this is the comfort of god in human form that's you were just such a comfort for us you were bringing god's comfort to us um in human form and, um, yeah, I, I just am continuing, so, and, and you are so comforting even now. I mean, that's the thing about Scott Jensen is every time I run into him in town, I'm like, oh, it's just like the comfort of the Lord, again, in human form. Um, and I, I have heard from other people who haven't had a great loss like we have that he is that same comforting presence for them, too. So um, God definitely used Luann's prayer to get you here. Um, To be such a special um, special person in our community
2: If I can just add on to that too. I I Didn't have any category for what that room was like Um, Has anyone else been in that room? Do we know what room we're talking about just right through the emergency room doors? Before you get to kind of triage and where all the rooms are where doctors are taking care of Patients just on the right as you walk in there's a room with a couple couches Um, and It was a place just to kind of sit and not be in the waiting room Outside the doors Um, and then I remember like it was yesterday Scott walking in and I knew what he was Doing and I knew who he was Um, And I also knew he didn't have the full story at that point necessarily either and So much of what we communicate to one another Is Like what 20% words and 60% body language and 20% context or whatever it is and just just having Scott's presence with us. He wasn't agitated He wasn't worried. He wasn't running around adding to the chaos that was there and was about to ensue Um, He was trying to get answers He was attentive to Jody and some of the questions that we had while we were waiting, as Jody said, trying to figure things out. And I can just remember that, um, you know, you did a lot to help us just calm down in that time and to be there and to not really look for the next step. Um, And I just, um, I'm sure you said some words. Um, I'm sure you said some things that were super helpful, but the, Way you were there, the presence of the Lord going with you, um, your deep empathy and compassion for us, knowing what we may not know yet and how it may all come out. Um, it was evident there that that night, and I will never forget that. What what thoughts come to mind when you were there? Um, what do you remember about the room and about just? kind of entering in at that uh, moment and in, in the midst of what was pretty chaotic?
1: Um, I think to briefly set up that evening I was sitting on our deck that kind of looked over the city and I watched the helicopters come in. <laughs> My son was sitting with me. He was getting ready to head off to college, um, you know, that next spring. So we were talking about all the things needed to get ready for that. And I knew that I was quite exhausted. Um, I couldn't even tell you what had transpired previously, but a string of things, deaths, I'm sure. And I remember that night saying, Um, dear God, I really don't need this. And I didn't even quite say it that nicely. It was like, God, really, I don't need this tonight. Um, So anyway, um, I remember being called in, and I remember going into the first room, and I saw a classmate of um, my kids, and i knew that he was likely not going to make it and by the time we uh got to visiting with you i won't swear but i believe uh, I seem to recall that i had in my mind that we basically were looking at probably three fatalities and perhaps maybe one might survive um What I do remember is that when the sheriff was reading off of his notes, (laughs) he inadvertently said the wrong name as to who passed. And he no more than got it out of his mouth than he realized that it was an error. And I remember looking at both of your faces, all four of your faces. And in that moment, I saw great joy and deep pain. And then, as I've never seen since, and hope I never have to again, when the names were corrected and your son was listed as the one who had died. I saw a complete change in all four of your faces. And um, I knew that all four of you were believers. You trusted Christ. Um, I saw your humility. I saw your beginnings of indescribable pain and I saw the way that you immediately sought to comfort uh, and and to congratulate, really, um, be grateful with uh, the other family. You shared joy with them, even though your hearts were beginning to be crushed.
0: Yeah, so we were in the room with uh, Carter and Karen Burnside and um, like Scott said, he accidentally said that Jake had passed away and Jackson was in Omaha in the hospital, and then he had to reverse that. And, um, but we had been sitting with Karen and Carter for hours by then, and we were so happy for them, and at the same time just could not believe um, our news. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I never will forget that, and I never will forget um, the presence in the room, um, connecting with you, hearing those words that did change our life and enter into this man unspeakable hurt. And you had already put in a full day, <laughs> and you had already seen so many other people pass away, and you had already this is this is your your job, and yet um, I I. I do remember it as if, you know, you were just starting your shift, you were fresh, you were there, you were all in, you were engaged with us, you were super helpful. And I do remember you telling me the story that you were exhausted and you heard the helicopter and you're like, Lord, just wow, I'm now what do I do? So I, I would love to hear a little bit of the story on... how how does one get to be chaplain how how did you did you wake up one day when you were 12 and say this would be this would be riveting I'd love to have this kind of job how how did you get to that and uh, tell us a little bit of your of your path to get there
1: pure desperation (laughs) Uh, the truth is being a chaplain was on my very short list of about two things that I was Uh, very confident I would never want to do ever in my life, period. Um, And so, as we say, God has a wicked sense of humor. God's not wicked, but uh, he has a very twisted sense of humor sometimes, it seems. And uh, a long story short, um, I had served as a volunteer chaplain at the hospital. Uh, I was in transition and desperately trying to figure out how do I continue to provide for my family, and uh, there was a position open at the hospital, and I thought, okay, I can go in and offer to help while they're looking for their long-term solution. Uh, That'll help me in the short term, (laughs) and then they can be on their merry way, and so can I, hopefully, God willing, and I went to fill out an application uh, because they said I had to do that, and as I looked at the application, uh, it shared all kinds of things they wanted the chaplain to do, one of which was being able to provide pastoral care to the staff hmm. and um, i couldn 't believe they would want a chaplain to do that and so
2: and there, so you were at a church at that point in time, and you were a, a pastor there and tell us a little bit about that
1: I had pastored in the Twin Cities for about nine years. Yeah. And then came to Nebraska, here to Fremont, to pastor as well. And, um, yeah, there just uh, came a time for a transition. And truly, uh, I needed a job. Yeah, And kind yeah, of that's opened good. a door.
2: Well, um, what are some ways, this is a very difficult job in a lot of ways, just what are a couple ways that have been helpful for you to fight for joy in the midst of ups and down days or some days that are... Um, just down right I'm getting paid for this right now this is my job this is the vocation that God has placed on my life he certainly has gifted you for that just as he's gifted each of us for the work that he calls us to to better those around us and to help um, those those in need and he certainly has gifted you for this but what are a couple things that come to mind about fighting for joy how do you do that in this job
1: I think the The biggest thing is the people I have the privilege of working with. Um, I work with an absolute amazing team. And they are the ones that encourage me. They're the ones that give me hope. They're the ones that I can go to to talk to. uh, Sometimes to just offload on. Um, Yeah, God's just been incredible to allow me to be part of such an amazing team of people who truly care.
0: Um, so I'm wondering about maybe even some common themes that you see with people that you sit with, um, or you, you said you kind of are trying to read the room when you have to, um, when you get a call and you have to sit with people, you're facing death or, um, terrible circumstances. Um, what are some common themes that you have seen over the years of people who news like this will devastate them and they may not recover versus... Um it devastates them, but they do recover and um, and you see them not necessarily thrive in their grief but but see some serious healing and progress in their grief. Have you noticed um, what maybe some common themes are um, and I'm asking that because I in a room like this or in the backyard like this're we're, we're all going to have hard things. we already have had hard things there's more hard things to come. What are some things that these women here tonight can be doing to prepare um, for the time when they are going to be faced with hard news?
1: Can I ask a question of the audience?
2: Yeah. That's great.
1: <laughs> How many of you have, uh, here have had a death of a, an immediate family member, as it were, or somebody incredibly close to you? Quite a few, OK. Um, at the face of it, there's nothing we can do to prepare for these moments, right? They happen. Um, But I, for me, I think it's always about trying to find hope. Um, I'm really glad Eric is here. This is about the same uh, ratio of girls to guys in the hospital, typically. (laughs) They asked me uh, when I was being interviewed to, for the job they said do you are you okay working with ladies and there were literally eight ladies in my interview and I was the only guy (laughs) um one of my greatest heroes uh de facto mentor in life um is a pastor who's now retired from the Twin Cities and I often tried to figure out what it was about him that made him so amazing and um I think I boiled it down to he was simply a purveyor of hope. He was a seller of hope. And so in whatever limited sense, um, trying to follow that amazing example, that's, that's what I try to do is sell hope. And uh, even in death, there is hope. I often give the silly shtick, I'm a guy, I don't know anything about giving birth. I watch my wife three times give birth, and I listen to my daughter give birth, and, and there have been some others. But uh, there are so many similarities between birth and death. Um, it would seem by observation that it's a rather unpleasant journey towards the end of that journey, um, to put it mildly, but then there's exquisite joy. And I find so much the same, even in death, that yes, it, it can be most unpleasant, but when there is hope,
0: there is joy. Hey friends, I just want to quickly interrupt to share a little bit again about my podcast sponsor, Faithful Counseling. If you've been a regular podcast listener, you know that throughout our grief journey, our family has been greatly helped by Christian counseling. It's something that I often recommend to others who are struggling, not just with grief, but just with the brokenness of this world. The challenge can come with actually finding quality counseling, and that's why I'm so happy to point you to Faithful Counseling. It's such an easy way to get started with therapy. You type in my link and complete a quick survey answering some questions about yourself and what you are looking for in a therapist. Then the Faithful Counseling Team pairs you with a professional licensed therapist, usually in just a couple of days. Their unique online platform gives you the ability to connect with your counselor at any time. Your interactions are not limited to individually scheduled sessions. Instead, they offer a number of ways to connect with your therapist. Whatever works for you, you can FaceTime or talk on the phone once a week, every other week, once a month. It's really up to you. And you can also take advantage of their unlimited text messaging option. The counselors really are easily accessible and willing to communicate frequently. Don't forget, if for some reason you don't like the counselor they pair you with, let them know. They can quickly reassign you. I had to do that, and I am so glad I did because I am now paired with a therapist who is a perfect match for me. Okay, I think I've shared enough, and I want to get back to the episode. But as you can tell, I'm not just promoting Faithful Counseling because they are my sponsor. I truly want you to give their services a try because I believe in biblical counseling. This link is in my show notes and you can always reach out to me to get it as well. But to find out more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash fighting for joy. The last part, the slash fighting for joy is really important if you want the 10% discount. Then just complete the survey and get started with counseling this week. Okay, back to the show. Well, this has been a hard year, harder year for your family. Um, Joy's dad passed away. Your granddaughter passed away. Um, so you have been on the other side um, these last few months of of the phone call. You're the one um, needing comfort. Your family needed comfort. What has that felt like to be on the other side and... Um, Is there anything that you've learned from your years of counseling other people that helped you, or was it just a totally different situation to kind of be on the other side?
1: I don't think it was different to be on the other side. I won't say uh, that I have fully embraced this idea, but undoubtedly you've perhaps heard somebody um, quip, you know, bad things happen to other people, why not me? I haven't embraced that, but I hold that in my hand to say um, in, in this season, that was a very legitimate question um, because life is about random bad things happening and um, none of us usually are excluded from that when all is said and done. So what has been most comforting to me is just the incredible love and support of the people I work with, of my family. Um, Some folks here in this room have uh, been the ones who brought food to our house and just simply were there to embrace us in our grief and to simply say they loved us and uh, incredibly powerful and hopeful.
0: With seeing um, so much death and grief and loss, um, has it ever caused you to doubt um, God's goodness? Do you feel like that's something that you hear a lot from people who are facing that themselves? Are you getting the question of why is God allowing this? Do you, is that something that you hear a lot? Um, have you wrestled with it yourself? How has your job affected your faith journey?
1: On occasion, people will say, "You know, why did God allow this? Why did God do this?" Um, in the heat of the moment, obviously, is not the time to have any theological conversation. Uh, I found it perhaps to be most helpful to simply say, "It's okay to be angry at God. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to say naughty words at God because, frankly, I've done it and." I'm still here to tell you about it. So um, it's okay. It's okay to wrestle with God. In fact, I would beg you to wrestle with God. Because what I have found is that when we wrestle with God, we discover whether he's real or not. And thankfully, we
2: have discovered that, yes, oh, my, God is real, and he is good. Yeah, I think that we have a whole book of the bible 150 chapters of the book of psalms that's really about not necessarily rethinking your prayer first but just praying it out to god Um, there are times certainly to share with others there are times to share with yourself but what we what we find in the uh, psalms is just again and again and again the psalmist just crying out to god In prayer that's not premeditated that is raw sometimes you do ask the question like is is that really in there is that like is that really what that psalmist says and and I think that it is proof that God does God does want his people to pray that way and not just pretend things aren't painful uh, not just pretend that we have the answers but to Lament that's what the language of lament is to go after God like that with just raw Words and you're going to him. You're not running from him. You're 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 not disappearing from him and That's what God that's what God wants and the God of all comforts there. I think I think one of the other things that you said too is that um, you, you know nobody here is a, is immune to the next person dying there is going to be a lot more death and I think in moments like that, you're right. A theological lesson is not what you probably want to do. It's, it's, too, it's, it's too late at that time. It's, it's, it's to come later. It's hopefully, in nights like tonight, it's to come before. It's to come help, help prep that. But I think one of the most encouraging things on that is that, you know, the Bible is a long book that doesn't end at Genesis chapter 3 you know, the first book in the Bible, obviously, the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, And then sin enters into the world, not through death at first, just through disobedience to God. And Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. And at that point in time, being kicked out of the garden was a grace. They should have died. We should have died. We should have died right there. There should not have been a Genesis chapter 4. And so, why does Jackson die? Why do other people die? Why do you get hit with that in your job day in and day out? It's, it's that brokenness of the world. When we fell in the garden, the cosmos were forever changed. But because there is a Genesis chapter 4 and we have the rest of what Scripture says, there is hope that that's not the final word. It will be undone, and Christ becoming man And being born here on earth and living on this earth has something to say about him entering into our grief. And that that doesn't get the last word. But that he is undoing the brokenness of this world. And one day this material world will be redone and we will see Christ face to face. We will see the cosmos put right. I will see Jackson again. There is real reason to have hope. Indeed. Yeah, so as you're talking to people and in great empathy that you have, um, which we thank you for, it comes out, like I said, without without words. Uh, what are some words that have been helpful? What, what do you go to when you go talk to people are there passages that come to mind if the family does have faith and you show up on the scene? What are some things that that you like to say or to kind of steer them? And maybe the flip side is what are things that are just wrong? You mentioned a theological lesson at that point in time, probably not the right thing. But are there other things that come to mind that are just not helpful? Maybe start with the what's what's helpful first.
1: Um. I- I feel probably I'm just a one-trick pony, uh, <laughs> because uh, truly I feel like the best thing that I have to offer is simply a prayer, a prayer of comfort, a prayer of hope, because I can't fix that situation. I, I can't make it better. I can only acknowledge, absolutely, we live in a broken world and horrible things happen, and... We're looking at one right now. But what I have discovered uh, as a pastor, um, a, a, a very seminal moment for me. We had been pastoring a, a cute little country church on the edge of uh, the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And long story short, uh, we had befriended some neighbors. Uh, who sent their kids to come to Sunday school all summer after a number of years of just developing a friendship and relationship. And come Christmas, it was the perfect quintessential Christmas. Uh, we had wood fire, uh, you know, the wood smoke smell from the neighbors. The snow was covering the ground, and we were gonna have this grand Christmas celebration uh, kids program. And a uh, the, the gentleman from across the street had sent, His kids and his wife had come to church all summer long, but this was the first time he showed up to watch his kids in the Christmas program. And I was kind of, you know, all filled up with myself for about two seconds thinking, oh my gosh, this is awesome. He's finally here, you know, because of maybe something we've done. And then two strangers walked into the back of our uh, little country church, and this grandma was beaming from ear to ear, and she said, I am so glad to be here to see my grandkids. But I'm even more glad because this is the first time my son has come to church in 25 years. And she said, I've been praying for him every single day. So to see that your prayers are heard, to see that, no you know, God doesn't answer them really quick sometimes, um, but to know that God is more than able to bring hope. He's more than able to help us. We may never get the answers as to why, our loved ones died, why this tragedy befell us. You can wrestle with that all you want. You may never find the answer, probably won't straight up. But when you discover the God who can manage that and help you walk through that and continue to give you hope, which continues to bring joy, then it doesn't matter so much what the questions are when you discover the God of the universe cares about you. That's where the hope comes.
0: That's a really good word. Thank you. And as we wrap up, I was going to ask you just kind of what kind of encouragement you could leave for these ladies, but that is, that's it. <laughs> that's a really great encouragement to leave them with. Um, and you're right about the prayer. I just feel like there is something that just... Uh, brings great comfort and calmness when um, when somebody just starts praying over you in moments um, like we experienced. And I, like Eric said, I don't remember much of what people said that night, but I do remember prayer being a part of that room after we got the news. And so. It's a good reminder too that it it really doesn't matter how we pray if we say the exact right words, um, how beautiful our prayers are, or awkward our prayers are. It really doesn't matter. It what we remember is is prayer. That prayer was a part of it, and so, um, so that is a really encouraging encouraging words. God, thank you so much, and um, it just means a lot that that you came. It means a lot that you um, are willing to have this conversation with us, and you're just so special. Um, to us and I wish you were special to us for another reason um, we can hate the reason we were brought together but love that we were brought together and um, you're just um, such a source of comfort uh, for not just us but for many people in Fremont so thank you for your work um, in Fremont thank you for answering another call it dawned on me when you were talking that you you know you get the you get these calls too you know we talk a lot about the call that we got, the hard call that we got, but, I mean, you're getting these hard calls all of the time, and so thank you for taking that call and coming to the hospital that night and sitting with us for hours and the other families as well and just the hard work that you are doing for our community. Thank you.
1: May I just say a little PS? Part of the incredible privilege of doing whatever it is I do is that God gives me very special friends. Um, Even from a distance, you are very precious, priceless gifts to Joy and I. And um, when our granddaughter died at seven weeks uh, from SIDS, and my son and uh, soon-to-be daughter-in-law at that point, now daughter-in-law, um, began to deal with Vivian's death. I know that my son's direct experience with those three plus one classmates, uh, not same grade but right close by, and watching all of your lives inspired him in a most profound way, such that even on the day that we buried Vivian, Britt and Ellie both said that they did not want to stop living they wanted to continue to live they didn't want to ever forget Vivian and they wouldn't but as my son just said this past week they also didn't want to wait 10 years and discover that they had stopped living and and I think as we wrestle with God as we wrestle with is he real and if we can Gain that sense that, oh my goodness, he is real and he does care. Even though he's allowed, da 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 da, he cares. It gives us hope. But we have to make a choice also to live. We have to make a choice to work through the depression, to work through the grief, and it's a long, long journey that, in a certain sense, never is fully finished but we get to make the choice as to what the future is. And I think that's important too. God does his part, and he invites us
2: to take those steps of faith and walk with them. Yeah, I just want to echo Jody's words of thanks too. I think um, we are very thankful for you, and I'm thankful for the way that you read Scripture over us after Jack. At Jackson's Funeral Service. Um, I'll remember you standing on stage for a long time just reading God's Word over us and I appreciate seeing you. What felt like every time we had the courage to kind of leave the house, get into a community, you were there. You were looking for us um, and I'll never forget that you know, every time I saw you, particularly during the first couple of years even, you never hurried us through the grief. And just like you said, keep going, keep living, there's reasons to hope, keep going after your faith in the Lord, um, but we didn't feel like you were pushing us, we didn't feel like you were making us be in a hurry, um, and I just, I just thank you for that. Yes. We do know there is a God, and yes, he is a God of comfort, but that doesn't take away the pain. And we didn't, we didn't feel, we just felt love and compassion from you and understood and a safe place when we would have the courage to go out in town and other spots. Invariably, our paths would cross, and you would be there, and we just really appreciate that. You know, there's lots of ways we can know and we can feel the love of God. And one of those powerful ways is just through people that have his same spirit. Um, And we do feel the love of our Father through you. And we are very thankful for you, Scott. Thank you. I'm very blessed to have you in my life as well.
0: Okay, well, we're going to wrap this part up and then give you guys a little time to chat. Um, But I did write down just a couple closing um, thoughts. Um, that I wanted to leave you with, just a couple questions for you to go home with. Um, but just as Scott, you know, was a comforting presence for us in the middle of the worst moment in our life, um, you know, I wanted him to come and share because we've learned a lot from him. And, and I think what, it, what is striking me, um, even as we're talking, is just that um, it's our broken parts um, that God is using to bring comfort and help and encouragement to other people. I think so many times we try to put forth our best parts, and we want God to use our beautiful parts. And and really, um, it is the mess, and it is the brokenness, and it's it's the hard parts um, that He will so often use to help other people. Second um, Corinthians one three says, God is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He comforts us in our affliction and in our suffering so that we may be able to comfort others who are suffering. How? With the very comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Because when we share in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And I wrote down another translation. Um, It says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So I love that it, you know, it, it definitely assures us that God is going to comfort us. Um, but it's not really so that only will we feel comforted. Um, it says we are comforted so that we can comfort others, so that we will know how to help other people walk through hard things. So Eric and I will give testimony for the rest of our lives about the comfort that we have received from God in our grief, from Scott, from friends, from family. Um, You know, it's why we started the podcast. We wanted to tell other people that this world is broken and difficult and also God will help and comfort every step of the way. Um, But usually, um, sharing God's comfort is not through a podcast. It's not through big grandiose ways. Um, it's just living in community and friendship with each other. And that's what I want to leave you guys with tonight. I want every one of you to see that you can be that kind of comfort for someone too. Um, you know, God has used the most broken parts of my story to help people and he will use your broken parts to help people. Um, you know, just I was just thinking in the last couple of months, you know, we've had people like Dustin and Shelley Everett and Lori von Sagren. I mean, these are people in our community who now know deep grief. They now have received horrible news and they have wanted to look us in the eyes. People who have walked, walked this road ahead of them and see, is God really going to comfort? Is his comfort truly comforting Um, will God be able to bring his comfort and his help, you know, to my situation as well? That's what they're asking us, and we can give them that comfort because God has comforted us, and and we are able to say yes. It's not not, um, pain-free. It's not quick, but yes. Um, And I think Eric and I continue to also say that we don't have a corner on the market in grief and pain, Um, you know, almost all of us here have gone through something hard or will go something, through something hard or have walked through hard things with other people. Um, and because of that, we are equipped now to go and share comfort with others. And so as we end tonight, I just, I want to ask um, kind of two questions of you I want you to think about as you leave. The first one is, is there an area of your life where you need the comfort of God? Have you been trying to find comfort in lesser things when there is something enormously greater available to you. I know that I continue to chase comfort all the time. I have my entire life in big and small ways. And you know, it's it's silly almost how much comfort I can get from a cup of coffee or a blanket or, you know. But we also chase comfort in big ways, you know, through relationships and financial security and making sure that everybody gets home safely at night. But, you know, that didn't happen. And so what are you going to do when that doesn't happen? So where are you going to find your comfort then? So my encouragement is just start placing your hope in the comfort of God now. And let your heart be comforted by him. And if you don't know what that means, um, then talk to one of us, but really it just means by asking, by just asking God to comfort you. Tell him where you hurt and where you feel broken, and ask him to be your comforter. That's one of his names, comforter. You know, another way is really in his word. Um, like Eric said, he speaks to us through his word, so another way to find comfort from God is in the Bible. Um, Psalm 119.50 Um says, in all of my affliction I find great comfort in your promises, for they have kept me alive. And that may seem like kind of a dramatic statement um, until you find yourself in the ER with Scott. Um, then you need the kind of comfort that has the power to keep you alive. And like Scott said, to keep living. The kind of comfort that will breathe life into death and turn from the things um, you know, that just are crushing your spirit into things that um, are able to bring, bring and breathe life. Um, so my encouragement to you is just, is there something, is there an area in your life where you need to run to the comfort of God and you are um, settling for something, something less? And the second question I want to ask is, is there a part of your story that could bring comfort to others? Maybe you can think of a particular situation where God really comforted you. A dark time in your life when his presence or his promises or his people helped you and you felt his love and his comfort. These most broken parts of your story that have been touched by God's comfort. I want you to start praying for the courage to share. To share the story, to share testimony of him comforting you and then to reach out and, um, and share that comfort with others. He has comforted you so that you can comfort others in their brokenness. And so often God comforts us in community and through friendship and through sharing. And there is power in our stories. And that's another big part of why I want to do these evenings. There's power in sharing our stories. But the power isn't in the stories themselves. The real power is in the one writing the stories. And so we want to share about him and his work in our stories. So... That's our encouragement to you as you leave tonight. Um, We want you to fight for joy in your brokenness with the comfort of God and then seek to help others in their fight for joy in their brokenness by sharing the comfort that you have received with them. So I will close in prayer and then um, I'm going to have you guys talk to each other in fellowship and get to know each other a little bit more. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. Thank you for giving us a beautiful night. Um, Thank you for these special friends who um, came tonight. I pray that these women will walk away with their hearts encouraged and strengthened um, and just reminded of the comfort that you have available to them that they can find in you. We hate the brokenness of this world, and we are ready for things to be made right. Um, but until then we just we do ask that you would help us to lean into your comfort and then bring that comfort to others. We pray a blessing on Scott and thank you for his work in the community. and we're just so grateful for him and his faithfulness in bringing your comfort to so many hurting people. And Lord, we are grateful that you are the God of all comfort. You are so kind to pour out your comfort on us. And we're sorry for running to lesser things. We do want to run to you. So help us to do that. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.